Flashback 64 is the podcast where Gooey, McKenna, and friends flashback to the 90s and early 2000s with a look at the Nintendo 64's catalog. Starting with the console's launch titles and proceeding in release order, they discuss each game and the contemporary cultural and historical context. We discuss games such as Super Mario 64, GoldenEye, Ocarina of Time, and many more iconic titles, along with the lesser-known games. Follow us on Twitter at Flashback64Pod and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. ZeldaCast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spiteri, joined by Allison Aletha. What's going on, Al? How is your weekend? Pretty good. It's pretty mellow. I, I mean, like, the highlight is I've been playing more Baldur's Gate 3. I love that game. That's definitely... It's such a solid game, and it's great, so I'm enjoying that. I highly recommend it to anybody who can get their hands on it. Is that getting the uh, Aletha Game of the Year, do you think? I think so, <laughs> yeah, I do. It's got such solid story and like character development, and it's so cool. And the, the fact that you could miss like hours and hours of content based on your choices, which means replayability is really high, I think that's so cool. And like just like so intricate it's amazing you know you know i i kind of i'm kind of conflicted on that actually and i and it's funny because i was reading the same thing about starfield as well where like i i typically will play a game put it away and like very rarely do i replay a game unless it's like like Mm -hmm. an amazing game or something like that or like it's it'll have been several years and then when i replay it i just kind of want to re-experience the story again so, like, I, I don't know if I love those, like, games, like Skyrim, for example. Like, I love Skyrim, but it's just like, man, I am missing so much of this game. And I've already played 100 hours, and I'm probably mm-hmm. not going to replay it. So, like, I feel I feel like it's a little bit of a loss for me, almost, you know? Like, I'm I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm an old man where I'm just like, I kind of just want, like, a solid 20-hour game that's just like, you can kind of get everything in. Or, like, 20 to 40 hours, I don't know. Yeah. And then, like, you, if you want, you can do some other stuff. But I, I don't know. All this is to say that I think I've been kind of flirting with the idea of maybe grabbing Baldur's Gate 3. But I, I think it's, like, the D&D stuff that's keeping me away. Because I'm just, like, I don't know. Honestly, it's, like, so I've never played D&D, but I've had interest. Um, But it feels like so much, like, a major commitment, a bit overwhelming. I feel like this was, like, a very good introduction for me. Stuff is being explained. And, like, my brother says it has a little bit different rules, but not too different. Like, the basics are the same. So I feel like it was a really good, like, introduction into the world of D&D for me. And then to piggyback on what you said about what kind of game that, like, um, you miss a lot of content. Like, I understand where you're coming from. There's times where I want that, too, where I'm like, I'd just rather play for 20, 30 hours and get and see everything but i also have games that i replay and i've plugged thousands of hours into it and i can see this being one of them and i know that every time i play it i could play it differently like completely differently and have new content so i find that really cool and i'm not to say not to say that i i don't like that but uh just because of the nature of how i play games it's just like Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of it's kind of stinks like i'll probably never get to like i still haven't done the blue lions part of three houses yet and it's been oh like, yeah me yeah me too yeah. so or uh, not the blue the black eagles i haven't done that at all what's the other blue lions yellow deer oh golden, golden deer? deer yeah golden deer. there we go and the red but it's the... like yeah. it feels okay. a lot like uh like the combat feels a lot like three houses and stuff and like strategic so and okay. you pick your players based on your fighting style so that's pretty cool I also have, so I want to play Sea of Stars, which looks amazing, and I mm-hmm. I just haven't got around to getting it yet, because I've been playing a lot of Metroid lately, but I, I have, like, an outrageous amount of games, actually, that I, like, I still have Ghost of Tsushima that I that I still mm-hmm. haven't opened yet, let alone, like, beaten. Uh, <laughs> I still want to get Horizon, like, there's so much, there's yeah. too much, there's too much. Yep. Um, well, let's, uh, let's talk about some Zelda, shall yeah. we? <laughs> and speaking of too much... Um, there is a lot of news going around in the Zelda community oh, uh, yeah. lately. Yep. Um, so what I said was, speaking of too much, maybe I shouldn't have said that, actually, because it seems like 
Tears of the Kingdom is done, finished, done, kaput. That's it. Um, and I and I want to kind of preamble before we get into this discussion. So today we are we're going to be talking about some daily debates uh, from from ZeldaDungeon.net, and we're going to be going over all of the questions that a lot of our great writers have uh, you know have thought up, and most of them are Tears of the Kingdom centric. Um, and one of them is about uh, the lack of the the supposed lack of DLC. Now, I think it was was it last week or the week before where you and I were. It was last week. Which, by the way, we had a lot of great, great, great discussion in our Discord about our spoiler cast thoughts. Yeah, I had a lot of fun debating that in our Discord. Oh, that was a good time. Um, it was uh, it, it was a little bit contentious at times. A little bit of a it's kind of like a, a battle at at certain points. Um, <laughs> but we had we had a lot of good discussion. We had a lot of points made and a lot of disagreements. As you know, I think that that episode was always going to to have. Um, but so one of the things that somebody said to me, ironically, afterwards was like, was like, why are you so sure that there is DLC coming? And I was mm-hmm. just like, well, because it makes sense, right? Like, it's because uh, Breath of the Wild had DLC. Age of Calamity had DLC. Like, most most big Nintendo games, like Pokemon has DLC. Like, all these games have DLC. And I actually stopped and thought about it for a minute. And I was like, you know what? I guess like, I guess he, this this person and I and I can't remember which user commented, but I was like, I guess they got a point because like when Age of Calamity and Breath of the Wild came out, there was day one DLC and the expansion pass was announced before those games ever released, which was not the case for for Tears of the Kingdom, and now we're four months out. So I was kind of thinking to myself like, you know, I'd be shocked if it didn't have DLC, but maybe you know, maybe this person's got a point. And then I think it was either the next day or the day after where um, I believe it was IGN asked uh, E.G. Anuma if there were plans for more DLC to come out. And he said, no, not mm-hmm. not really. And I and I don't know. I don't have the actual translation in front of me. So a lot of times those quotes do get mistranslated and the, the context is lost. But um, yeah, I, I don't I'm I'm a little bit surprised by that. And. And like I said, we're going to we're going to be doing a daily debate roundtable today, and uh, and I guess that leads us literally to our first daily debate, which is of course, what do you think about Anuma's statements regarding the Tears of the Kingdom DLC, or rather lack thereof? So that's been a big topic in the world of Zelda this week. I have some thoughts, but right away, your reaction. My reaction was. It wasn't like, honestly, it was kind of more like, I'm going to take this with a grain of salt. Like, I was like, "Ah, I don't know if I actually believe this. Or I don't know if I think that the um, context is all there. If we know the full, like, extent of how this was discussed. And like you said, translations can kind of, like, not come over correctly. So my initial reaction was like, was like, when, you know, the last time AJ Numa said, we don't have plans for that, it was Skyward Sword HD. And I'm not going to go find that quote exactly, but I remember us discussing that on the podcast. Yes. Like, like how how could there not be plans for that? The Switch is perfect, you know? And then, of course, lo and behold, it happened. So, to me, it's like, sure, maybe they don't have plans for it, but that doesn't mean that the door is completely closed. Um, maybe it's just not coming anytime soon. You know, maybe it's true that they just are like, nope, we're done. Tears is done. We're not, we're not touching it ever again. And part of me is like, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But I'm surprised by that decision, like business wise and financial wise, you know, it would, it would be a major success in my opinion. So you got 10,000 plus people who already own the game. Right. Uh, Or not thousand. uh, Yeah. Sorry. It's a little little bit more than that. Sorry. Uh, So. So a lot to unpack here, a lot to unpack. And and naturally, I think a lot of people um a lot of people brought up the Skyward Sword HD comment because mm-hmm. he did say the same thing about Skyward Sword HD and then like, you know, it's out less than a year later. Now, I will say that the Skyward Sword HD comment that Anuma made felt to me like just a a bold-faced lie. That you, you know what I mean? Like it felt like a lie. You know what it reminded me of? Here's a deep cut reference for you, okay? And if anyone hasn't seen The Dark Knight Rises, spoilers. 
But Marion Cotard plays a character in that movie, and I can't remember her name. And people were just like, hey, are you playing Talia al Ghul? Are you playing Talia al Ghul? It makes sense in the context of the story. And so, spoiler, she was playing. It was a secret character, but she was, in fact, Talia al Ghul. But, of course, she said no, because what's she supposed to say, right? Like, right. like that's like the Andrew big... Garfield and No Way Home. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. what, what are those guys supposed to say? Like, ruin the, the big yeah. moment? Like, everybody knew that they were coming, but, like... They, nobody could say it. And I, I, that was to me the same kind of vibe that Skyward Sword HD had. It's just like, everybody knows it's coming. Nobody could just like come right out and say it until it's announced. Mm-hmm. I don't get that same kind of vibe with the DLC. And, and maybe it's because there is that, that little bit of history that would tell us that sh- if there was in fact DLC coming for Tears of the Kingdom, it would probably it would probably have been announced like mm-hmm. earlier. Now, I don't think that this, this means that it's not happening. I, st- I think that it still is very possible that it could happen. And I think that you, if you look at that, it's possible because like we really are, I, I believe that we're entering the final stage of the switch's life um, mm-hmm. where, where it's just like, okay, what 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 kind of how many games do we have left? We we know that to round out this year, you know, we got a couple Mario games, which is great. But like, what about twenty twenty four? Well, we've got Detective Pikachu, we've got the Princess Peach game. I don't know what else we have beyond that. Maybe like it seems to me that it would make sense now for for games like old ports, like a Metroid Prime two and three, or uh, DLC for existing games to kind of take the take the last little reins of the Switch's lifespan until we get to the new Switch. Now, that's just my inner theory. Could be, of course, totally wrong. Um, but I, but to counter that theory, and I'm just thinking out loud here, Al, I do think that it would be kind of weird if, like, for example, uh, Anuma says last week or a couple days ago that there's no DLC. We have a September Nintendo Direct, probably, and they announced the DLC there. That, that, that you know, that's a little... I feel I feel like he would have just said like uh no comment or something like that and moved on. Yeah, or keep an eye out or something of that nature. Something. But I yeah. guess if he says that 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 basically just confirms that it's coming, right? Like Right. Um yeah, part of me is like if it doesn't happen, I'm okay with that because I feel like there's a lot to do in tears and it was so much that I got burnt out from the game. Yeah. Um and then but then there's another part of me that's like, well, okay, there's two Amiibo coming out in the holiday season. And maybe right. I guess I understand the Zelda Amiibo being kind of held back because it's like, it's a it's a figure of her in a very, like, detailed cutscene in the in the game. So maybe I can kind of understand why they held it back. But the Ganondorf one, we already knew Ganondorf was going to be in there based on the trailers and, like, the, the character cards that they were dropping on Twitter every other day. So... It just seems weird, like, that they got these Amiibo way out in December time. The Amiibo have content unlocked behind them. That's been confirmed. So, to me, it's like, well, why not? So, there's no DLC, but you but you have these Amiibo coming out? I, I don't agree. know. Like, that seems really odd to me. Yeah. That, um, that's a great point. Because they, they released the Champion Amiibo, like, a year yeah. after Breath of the Wild. But to go with the Champion's Ballad. Right. So, now... In my mind, I was kind of thinking that DLC would release in a similar structure as Breath of the Wild's DLC did, because everything else about this game has been like a one-for-one to Mm -hmm. Breath of the Wild. But maybe, you know, maybe they're just like, okay, we got to get until July. That's when our new console launches. So, like, we we need stuff for people that own Switches to do up until then. So maybe this drops in, like, a year after Breath of... or uh, Tears of the Kingdom came out. I don't don't know, but I, I do think it's curious about that as well. Now, let's just say, let's just take him at his word and uh, and assume that maybe he's just telling the truth and they are, in mm-hmm. fact, done with Tears of the Kingdom. I I do feel a little disappointed. Um, I do feel disappointed because I just think that, I don't know, I guess I just expected it. Like it and I was kind of hoping yeah. for, like, another dungeon. And, you know, the, the DLC in Breath of the Wild was so strong that I was hoping that we would get another batch of, like, really quality... Uh, DLC to go along with, you know, with Tears of the Kingdom. So, so I'm disappointed in that because I, you know, say what you will about the dungeons, and we're gonna talk about them in a second. But I thought that most of them were awesome. I thought that the boss battles were all great. So, uh, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed, and I mm-hmm. kind of had been in my own mind 
theorizing, I was like, I bet you there's going to be some stuff about like, the three dragons in this DLC. That seems cool to me. So we're, yeah. we're not going to get there. That's okay. Um, so I'm disappointed too because I was hoping that maybe the DLC could could maybe fill in some of those moments that we talked about last week with like the story and stuff like that. Um, now, would I say I'm absolutely heartbroken? No, I guess not. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I put a lot of time into Tears of the Kingdom, a lot of time into Breath of the Wild. So like, you know, is it is it critical that that we go back and complete another little side story in this world that we've kind of already revisited once? No, but I I don't know. I just I feel like it would be like easy. You'd get a lot of money for doing it. I mean, who am I to say it's easy? But I feel like it probably wouldn't be super 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 hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I I do feel a little bit disappointed. But at at the same time, I I see what you're saying about like we played so much so fast so hard, and it, you are a little yeah. burnt out. So it's just kind of like okay, not the absolute I was end kind of. The world. of- yeah, I mean, I was kind of looking forward to DLC to bring me back. Me too, you know? yeah. Um, I think this is also um, a good part of the conversation that's been happening a, a lot around Baldur's Gate 3 right now, and is that the studio is getting a lot of praise for releasing a complete game. There's no, like, extra content that is being waited on. Right. There's no in-game, like, purchases and that kind of stuff, so... I don't. I obviously don't think that that was planned on Nintendo's part to be a part of that conversation. But if you really consider it, they said that they upped the price of Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom because it's such a like huge full game, and they wanted it to be that. You know, they're like yeah. it's worth this price because it's huge. So therefore, they're not going to tack on more another twenty dollars for DLC. I mean, I feel like that kind of you know makes sense in that way but at the same time like their pattern has been dlc with the switch zeldas so it just it feels like such a weird decision but maybe they're burnt out too they spent six years going hard on this game you know from what we can tell maybe they're just burnt out from the switch zeldas as well and they're like we're good we have no more story to tell maybe yeah i mean um it is it is curious i like I, I definitely see all that and I could totally understand that if that was their perspective. And I and I get what you're saying about the um, the price point and stuff like that. I guess I'm just mm-hmm. kind of like, well, I don't know. Like if, if you want it, you can buy it. If you don't, then Yeah, don't. That's, like, I mean, yes, yeah. I agree. Nobody could say that you, you didn't get your value from Tears of the Kingdom. Like nobody right. could say it for better or for worse. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I feel like it's, uh, I feel like it's a curious decision. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I believe it, but I don't know that I'm in, like, complete disbelief either. Like, like, I, yeah. like I said, like, when they said Skyward Sword HD wasn't happening, I was like, there's no way that this game does not come out. Like, right. there is no way. And with this, I, I can't say that. I'm just like, they very well could be riding off into the sunset. Tears of the Kingdom has done incredible. It's got to be at, like, 20 million copies sold right now in, like, four months, which is outrageous. So, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe they are just like, okay, it's time. And you know what, here's the thing. And I've seen a bunch of people in this daily debate have, like, comments, and they're really bad faith comments, like, well, Tears of the Kingdom is just DLC anyway, so why should it get DLC on DLC? Oh, yeah, just more fuel to that that dumb idea. That's that's a bad faith comment. But, you know, yeah. there are a few comments in there that I agree with, where which is just like, listen, I would rather them just get started on the next Zelda game earlier. Yeah, which mm-hmm. you know, okay, okay, I can uh, I can see that. So um, yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a long it's been a long couple days in the world of Zelda debating and discussing this. I I can't say that I'm like completely I can't say I'm completely sold or not sold on this being true. And uh, I guess I I feel like also I I don't know I just I can't see it being at the September Nintendo Direct. Should there even be one? Although I'm sure there is. Mm-hmm. I can't see Zelda DLC being at the September Direct mm-hmm. because it's like so it's so close to when Aonuma said that it wasn't happening. So that being said, when's the next opportunity to announce DLC? I guess the Game Awards, but I doubt that. Yeah, after like after this interview, because my guess was that it was going to release post Game Awards, like uh, the second wave of DLC for Breath of the Wild. Right. Um. You know several years ago but after this interview um 
I don't know. I'm kind of thrown. And I mean, if he is really convincing us that it's not happening and then it does, I'll feel like Andrew Garfield all over again because he was very convincing that he wasn't in Spider-Man no <laughs> so Yeah, but like every single person in their – like I, I don't even follow Marvel that, that much anymore or at the time. And I was like, this guy's for sure in. And so is Tobey Maguire. Like this – it's guaranteed. Well, nobody I was asking Toby. Everybody was asking Andrew, and he's like, he's like, I literally didn't get a call. You guys are making me feel bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I re I would remember. I was just like, I will cook up my shorts and eat them if this guy's not in this movie. <laughs> and I would have felt, I would have said the same thing about Skyward Sword, but I, I don't know if I could say that about Tears of the Kingdom DLC. I guess, I guess we'll just have to see. So we'll have to see. Um, okay, well, so that's that's one. That's one big piece of news, big piece of, uh, uh, you know, stuff in the Zelda world. But we, like I said, we're going to go and, uh, we're going to go and answer some questions about, uh, or some daily debates, rather, from ZeldaDungeon.net. Some of our great writers have come up with, uh, some, some really good fodder for us for, uh, for this week. So let's go ahead. Um, and this one kind of ties into this comment. And this is from Heather. And, uh, Heather says, how long do you think it will be before the next Zelda game? Now you have to qualify this with a few, you know, there's a few different responses that you can give depending on what kind of Zelda game we get next. Um, Al, what do you think? I think, and I think this might actually be one of our questions coming up, so I'll try to save that part of the answer for later, but I think we're done with this Breath of the Wild era. I think it's on to the new, next new thing. But I do think it's going to continue to be an open world style game. Um, and the fact that they're going to have to like think of, you know, something new, something innovative, just like they did with Breath of the Wild. So I think it's going to be a number of years and kind of just based on the pattern that we're going now, I'm going to I'm going to try and take like the Skyward between Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild time. So I'm going to say about five, six years again. Right. I don't think it should have taken that long for between Breath of the Wild and Tears, but I know COVID was in there. So, but right. considering they went from one engine to a completely different one with an open world and took about six years, I think that's fair. Okay. So here's my answer. Somebody, somebody, uh, clip this. If you're watching us on twitch.tv forward slash Zeldacast, where we live stream these shows every week, I think you're going to be playing the next open world Zelda game in 2026. I think God, that... God, really? I think so. And, and let me tell you why. Because by 2026, surely the Switch 2 is out, right? Like, there's there's no <laughs> yeah. way that the, the successor to the Switch is not out. I feel like it's coming out 2024. Now, ask yourself, what does, what does a new Nintendo console need? It needs a Mario game, a Mario Kart game, a Smash Bros. game, and probably you could say now it needs an Animal Crossing game. Um, mm. so, so in the first two years of its life, I think that you can realistically expect Mario, Mario Kart, maybe Smash Bros, maybe one, either Smash Bros or Animal Crossing, one of the, one of the two. And I think that you could definitely say now it needs a Zelda game to sell the system. So like, I think that they kind of have to have like a new Zelda game and like, and not, not like a Link's Awakening Zelda game, but like, a, like a, like a chunky, beefy take a bite out of the burger and you got so much burger in your mouth you just can't possibly fit any more burger in your mouth kind of Zelda game. Okay? Mm -hmm. So so I think that I think that it has to have a Zelda game. I think you could release the new Switch in 2024 and you could you could announce the new Zelda game I don't know, maybe in 2024, early 2025 and then you could probably wait until 2026 for it to come out. I just I think that if you're not playing the newest open world Zelda game on the new console until like three years into its lifespan, I just I think that that's going to be a a little bit of a tough sell. And um, you know we all remember what happened with the Wii U, and I'm not saying that that's going to happen, obviously, but like that that console never got the big games to kind of get it kickstarted. Uh, there was a lot of other issues with the Wii U, but you know that you can't deny that the big games were missing off there. So I think that by necessity. They they have to get uh, a new open world Zelda out in that time. Now I'm not I'm not suggesting that it's going to be as big as Tears of the Kingdom or maybe maybe they just scale it back just a little bit. So instead of like Ultra Hand and being able to craft and build and blob whatever you want, you maybe it's just a little bit more simple, a little bit more straightforward, and which I think would be fine. Um, but I, I think that they have to 
I think they have to get it out in that time. And I think that there's going to be Zelda games released in between as well. Yeah, I guess I, I understand where you're coming from, from like a, a timeline kind of standpoint, a business standpoint. Um, I just, I I would be so worried about a game, a new open world Zelda game coming out only three years from now. Or if le- like less, you know, that well, makes me nervous. <laughs> okay, but but hold on, because like Pokemon coming out with two open world Pokemon games, and the second one was crap. I'm sorry, it's not crap, but it wasn't great. Well, it, it had a lot of issues, and I and I don't think that Nintendo would ever release a Zelda game like that. I, I really don't. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of equity in, you know, the 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 association of like high quality to Zelda. Um, mm-hmm. but but take a look and like. So Tears of the Kingdom comes out 2023. It comes out four years after... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Six years after Breath of the Wild, right? Um, mm-hmm. COVID is in there. So let's let's just throw in a... Let's throw in, like, a, let's just knock one year right off of that development time. So let, like, let's just say five years. Um, I mean, I, I guess that timeline is is a lot, but, like... You know, I, I feel like from, from the time, let's put it this way, from the time that Breath of the Wild was announced, um, it was announced in what, like 2014 and released in 2017. And it also underwent like a system change in that time too. Like it was originally for the Wii U and then it was for the Switch. So I think that I think that they release a, a game similar in depth to Breath of the Wild. Doesn't It doesn't have to be above, middle, and below like Tears of the Kingdom. Just like a big open world. I th- and I think that if you have like the entire Zelda team going hard at it, I think three years is is doable. I I do. Okay, I mean, that still makes me nervous, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it kind of yeah, like a little bit. I just I just I feel like I they get what they you're can't saying. wait. They can't wait six more years. But also, if like the next console is just like a next gen to the Switch, and it's just like a Switch two point you know, it's to me, it's not like going from the Wii U to the Switch. You know, it's just kind of an evolution. I think it'll and be going from like, like the DS to the 3DS. Okay, that's fair. Um, I guess to me, I'd be like, I can still get. Ugh, this, that's that. This is probably hard on uh, Nintendo's like business and marketing. But to me, I'm like, I could probably get another three years out of my Switch. You know, but I no I know that's way. not their goal, and they yeah I do. Cause like there's still so much that I haven't played that I could still play on it. And I'm not saying that they need to keep releasing new stuff, but like at least I, I don't think the new thing is coming out until like early 2025 is my guess. Um, that's that, a, that's a tough spot for the year of our Lord 2024. Then what the hell are you going to play? I don't maybe They probably have a plan. I don't know. It's, maybe. it's so weird to try and think about all this other stuff because we've been so focused on Zelda for six years, yeah. you know? So, <laughs> So it's like, it's hard. And I bet that Nintendo is in a tough spot. They're like, when do we release this new console? When do we, how do we start our next Zelda game? How do we, and I'm sure they're thinking about all the other games that they need to get ready for the launch of that console. So I get where you're coming from. It just, at the same time, would make me so nervous because just to have an open world. Now, if they like consolidate it back to a little bit more closed off, which I don't think they would, like Ocarina of Time size, I feel like that makes more sense for three years, but something as big as Breath of the Wild is, I don't know, that makes me a bit nervous. Well, let me let me tell you my, the second part of my question. I think we're going to be playing like a like a Zelda game in between as well, and I think it's mm-hmm. I think Nintendo is going to make a quote unquote traditional Zelda game. I I really do, but I don't think that the Zelda team is going. to... I think it's going to be Grezzo, the the guys that made Ocarina of oh, Time okay. 3D. They made Link's Awake. I think that those guys are going to be giving us something to play on like an interim basis almost. And I kind of think, I kind of think this is my speculation here. I kind of think that it's going to be like a link between worlds style game where it's like kind of a sequel, but kind of not. And it's kind of a remake, but kind of not. I could see that for like a game like twilight princess. It's maybe it's just like, uh, I don't know. Uh, sun sun princess or something like that or whatever. Right. Like, mm-hmm. or a direct sequel to skyward sword or like something. Um, yeah. or, or it could be age of, uh, upheaval. Like we talked about, maybe age that could be upheaval, coming yeah. too. You know what I just thought? It would be kind of fun if they did like a dual release, like they did for seasons and oracles again, maybe well, not a good like, point. I bet you that style. game's coming too. 
But like something in that nature would be pretty cool. Yeah, like I, I think that that would be a prime game actually for that kind of treatment. Like Oracle of Se- or Oracle of Secrets, release that game mm-hmm. where it's yeah. like it's not quite a remake, but it's it's not quite a sequel. I don't that could be cool as well. So like I do think you're gonna see like a Zelda game of that kind of stature. I agree. Yeah. Soon, I think because it- they tend to they tend to do that, especially with the re-releases or the remakes yeah. or the uh, ports. Is they were like here have this to hold you over while we're working on Tears or Breath of the Wild or whatever. Yes, you know. 100%. So I think the next open world game is going to be late 2026. You've heard it here first. And uh, it's going to say 2027 at the earliest for me. <laughs> it's a tight timeline, but like, I feel like they got to do it. They got to make it happen. I, I totally understand what you're saying. So I get it. I'll, I'll phone A&UMA right now and tell him to start cracking the whip <laughs> over there and be like, all right, guys, I mean, let's get to work. The, what, was it part of the interview too, where they said they are not working on the next Zelda game yet, right? Well, and I and I think that if I'm being honest too, like I I have a lot, I have a much easier time taking the no DLC um, thing at face value if they're already working on like the next Zelda game. Like they deserve a little break for a minute. Like I thought the same thing after Breath of the Wild, and then it turns out like six months later they started Tears. So. Well, I mean, listen, like, I'm sure all the developers are probably took, like, a month or two off. They recharge, reset, maybe more than a month or two. I don't know. But, like, mm-hmm. let's say three, even if it's, like, six months later. Like, six months is almost done. Like, you know, time time Certainly. to get to work on the next Zelda yeah, game. Yeah, I think I, that's kind of where I'd feel like, yeah, let's go. Start the next yeah. thing. So, uh, it must be, like, it must be, like, a tough environment to work in that kind of turnaround. Oh, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're always looking at what's next, so that's that's fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I told you that these like five daily debates were going to take us the whole show because we got another <laughs> couple of uh, of doozies here. This is from Nick. Oh boy, he asks, "What new features could justify a third game set in Breath of the Wild's Hyrule?" Mm-hmm. Oh boy, <laughs> what do you think, Al? I think if it's, I think if it takes. Um takes a note from Majora's Mask's book, I think it's justified. If we go to a different... There's so much land around Hyrule. You know, you go up to, like, the tippy-top northern edge of Hyrule, and you see there's, like, so much land. Let's go Yeah, but you have, you have to be stuck in the same in the same place. Right? That's the premise of the question? I guess not. Oh, because, uh, because no. Tears of the Kingdom added the depths in the sky. Yeah, and it says what new features could justify you know, being in this era of gaming. That's a tough If we have the same Link and the same Zelda, go to a new place. Dude, go to outer space. I'm serious. You ride the Temple of Time right up into the stars and you have a cool sci-fi Zelda game. No, seriously? I don't know, man. That would be a really... That's like honestly really the only sell. way I would uh, accept a, a third game because yeah. I am not exploring that Hyrule a third time. Even if they, like, again, make it slightly different enough that it feels new, I feel like they got away with that in tears. They, I don't think they could get away with that again. I don't either. So so my immediate answer is just, like, there's nothing that they could do that would... But, like, I if I if I have to think of something, if they, if they release this game, and I have to think of something that could justify it, I could think of maybe a few things. One, this game comes out, like, immediately. Like, it, it yeah. comes out, like... Like at the end of 2024, so it's like there's you're no waiting. It's basically DLC, but it's like a, a new game. Yeah. Um, that's that's probably the most important thing. Second, it's got to do something like really, really different for the. You you got to there's got to be like a dark world or there's got to be something. Actually, a dark mm-hmm. world would actually be kind of cool. I yeah. thought that's what we we're gonna do in Tears of the Kingdom, but we didn't do that. But a, a dark world that that could be kind of cool. Give you like. The same map, but different to explore. And I think that they would have to do dungeons differently. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I don't think that you can do these kind of dungeons again and get away with it. I just... And, and that, we're going to talk about dungeons here in a second. But I think that that would have to be different. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is more of just a personal gripe. But, I man, I want a better... I want a more structured story. Like, I really do. Yeah. I uh, I love this comment that we're getting over here on Twitch from Bat Rogue Link versus Koga and the Space Yiga Clan. And that the reason awesome. I love this <laughs> is because Master Koga has the most continuity of anything in Tears. He fell down a giant hole in Breath of the Wild, took over the depths. 
he flew so in tears he flew off in a rocket up to the surface maybe he went all the way to space and i feel like the continuity would make sense dude do you know <laughs> do you know who master koga has the similar vibes to is whiz pig from diddy kong racing Okay. <laughs> He's kind of an evil guy, Wizpig. And in the final stage, you think you've beaten Wizpig, okay? You, you beat him once in uh, in the race, and everybody's having a party, and then you see Wizpig. He's behind the lighthouse. He's looking, and he's like, and he, and he rides the lighthouse into space. And he rides yeah. it into space, and then there's four courses oh, in space where you gotta where you got to fight him. I could see that Master Koga fight as clear as day. Um, however, Another thing that might be like a a weird connection if they do a third game is like Gandorf's gone. We blew him up. Okay. So who would be the villain in the next game? If you're not going to like an alternate world, like you did in Termina and you were fighting Majora's mask, you know, I could see uh, that being, I'm a not thing concerned about that. Cool. I think that they could do something pretty cool. As long as they don't bring Asterd back. That guy was awful. <laughs> but I like, I would, I think that, I think that you could easily create. Let's say that they included instead of like a dark world time travel or something like that. So you go back in in the past at, at some point, and maybe there's like a rival faction or something. And like the leader of that is your is your villain. I, I don't know. Maybe you learn a bit, a little bit more about the Zonai. Maybe you follow the Zonai into space. I, like it. It's so tough because I just I can't think of anything that would really compel me to be like, yeah, I want to explore. I want to explore Elden again and see Death Mountain <laughs> one more time. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody to take my comments to this to mean that I hated Tears of the Kingdom and exploring. I loved it. I thought it was great. And I, like I said, they got away with making it different enough that I was like, okay, this is satisfying. And I actually really enjoyed it. But I don't yeah. think there's any way they could get away with that again. No, I, I don't think so at all. I... Honestly, the the release is the biggest thing, I think. Like if they if they could somehow if they could somehow release the game within 18 months, I would be I guess I would be able to stomach it. But like we I don't think that's even possible because there would also have to be other significant changes for it to for it to, you know, meet that criteria for me. So I don't uh I don't think so. So here we go. Um this is a a great question. This is from our pal Rod Lloyd, as a matter of fact, so you know it's going to be good. Rod asks, were Tears of the Kingdom's developers right to call the game's dungeons traditional? This is a juicy meatball, Al. I want your opinion on this. A juicy meatball. <laughs> uh, traditional. I think... When they were thinking traditional, they were like, this is an elemental type dungeon. Um, but I think that's where it ends. <laughs> I mean, we, we've we talked about the dungeons at length, and I think we've decided that it's a good mix between traditional, the Breath of the Wild style dungeons, and Hyrule Castle from Breath of the Wild. You know, there's a percentage right. of each in each dungeon. I think the Wind Temple is probably the most Divine Beast-ish. I think that no. the Fire Temple is probably the more traditional. Maybe the Lightning Temple, too, is a little bit more traditional. But, again, it's taking on that thing of where you can go anywhere and do anything, you know, to try and solve these puzzles. But, at the same time, there's, like, pretty good puzzles that I feel like do kind of fit some of the traditional, especially in the Lightning Temple. In fact, when I tried to solve them by cheesing, they were not sol very solvable, especially because you needed Riju and she's stuck back in the middle room. So, right. um, I that's an interesting question, but I don't think it's quite what we expect of traditional versus, I guess, what the developers thought of traditional. There, there's when really... When I think traditional dungeons, I think Ocarina of Time dungeons. Right. There, so first and foremost, I want to encourage everybody to go read the comments because there are some really, really good comments in this daily debate. Okay. So here, here is my initial thought is that I believe that when – I don't remember who – I think it was Aonuma said it. But like I believe that when he said that they were going to be like traditional dungeons – and I, I'm actually going to read a quote verbatim here in a second. But my initial interpretation of that was – the visual design and not necessarily the actual like structure of the designs themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so if you, if you take it with that, 
then absolutely they're like traditional dungeons. Like each dungeon has its own theme. Each dungeon has its own music. Each dungeon has its own, um, you know, identifier to make it visually look very unique in terms of content. Not so much, not so much. Um, the the thing the thing about the content is is that while I would say that they're a step up from the Divine Beasts and they they do feel more in line with traditional Zelda dungeons, they they don't feel I mean it's, it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be right to call them a traditional dungeon that you would see in Ocarina of Time or Skyward Sword or mm-hmm. A Link to the Past. It's just that's not true. Um, and I actually I want to read a uh, a couple comments here because I thought that they were like so clever actually and um and i want to save the best comment for last but before i I, as i'm finding them out like what do you think about that do you think that that's a fair assertion to make yeah i was trying to say with what like their elemental dungeons meaning like they have their own each have their own theme they're a bit traditionally named like the fire temple water temple etc um so yeah like i feel like that's what the direction they were kind of going but to us, traditional means like you solve a puzzle in a room, get a key, go to yeah. the next room. Solve a puzzle in a room, get a key, go to the next room, etc. Or um, a puzzle like the Forest Temple, where you're solving the whole temple is a puzzle to the middle room, right. you know, or you know, ancient cistern. So I feel like the players were expecting that versus what the developers were kind of like. This looks more traditional versus the Divine Beasts, you know. So, so I want to kind of read, I'm not going to read the whole comments, but there's two comments that I thought were really, really smart. And I'm just going to read them because they, they actually encapsulated my thoughts almost perfectly. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of just me being lazy, but you know, I thought that they were, <laughs> I thought that they were great comments. So, and, and they're opposite too. Cause one says no, one says yes. So okay. the first one is no, and that's by pink rabbit. And I'm going to kind of skim what they say here. So, um, Pink Rabbit said, no, traditional dungeons are monster-riddled labyrinth spaces that primarily rely on lock and key advancement. Um, In terms of tone, dungeons feel dangerous, claustrophobic, and uh, and, and there's, you could be surprised. Um, Here lies the fundamental difference, I think, between traditional dungeons and the Tears of the Kingdom offerings. Tears of the Kingdom's temples are spacious and thematically reflected on their respective overworld regions. They don't feel dangerous. They don't feel claustrophobic. They're largely absent of enemies. They're spacious. They're airy. And within minutes, you pretty much have all of the information that you need in order to complete the dungeon, which is true because you walk in and you see, okay, I need the five things. Great. I'm going to go get them. Um, It continues. The other issue I have is Tears of the Kingdom's version of lock and key mechanics. You can make the case that traditional dungeons abused its linear version of this formula, but it really help pace the scale and progression of these of these dungeons where an old dungeon typically had many locked doors each with its own puzzle and key each tears of the kingdom temple essentially has one locked door with five keys which made me feel like there was less than what there probably was mm-hmm. i think that's a great point like yeah i think that's a really clever point because there there really is like you know there really is you walk in and you and you figure out right away what you need to do and it's not helped because it's the same for all of them so yeah. like by the by the time you get to the fourth dungeon, whatever it happens to be, you know exactly what you need to do before you before you've even run thought of entering in there. You know that you're gonna need to unlock four switches or whatever, yeah. four goobers. And um so it really does kind of feel like you can rush and just do them and, and get it over with, whereas there's it's lacking the set pieces and it's lacking the I don't know, I guess that that kind of puzzle uh aspect that the traditional dungeons had and i really liked the dungeons of tears of the kingdom like i thought they were great for the most Mm -hmm. part but that comment makes me think of the earth temple from skyward sword the portion before the earth temple where you have to put together the key with the five pieces you go to different kind of like regions in that area and you kind of solve a thing or a puzzle or fight the enemies and you dig up the key and then you Mm -hmm. put it together and then you do the dungeon so this is kind of like that where you like putting together the keys to unlock the one door and that kind of feels like you're getting ready to do the dungeon right. you know the portion beforehand um so that was by pink rabbit that was a, a great comment but i think that there's another great comment as well from connor lawson and i'm going to uh, i'm going to read this almost in full because i feel like again this is such a smart comment um that really kind of again encapsulated the other side of what i thought um which kind of goes back to what i was saying like when i heard that quote originally in my mind, I, I kind of was thinking that 
Anuma more so meant the visual aspect of it. And I think that mm-hmm. that's exactly what he did mean. So this is a quote from Connor. And he says, I think people are misrepresenting the quote, especially one that is taken from a translation. So Anuma said that the dungeons are huge. Now, uh, debatable in terms of content, but the size of the dungeons are definitely quite huge. I don't. I think mm-hmm. that's indisputable. Fire Temple right. is massive. And right. the, the storm arc is massive. Um, he said that uh, that each carry their own regional look and feel. Again, that's indisputable, as I kind of said right. at the beginning here. There's there's no two dungeons of the game that look alike. And that's what he said. So uh, I'm going to continue reading from the quote. So that's it. He liked dungeons. He likened dungeons in traditional Legend of Zelda games to also be huge and have their own look and feel, which is true for traditional dungeons in the series. He did not say this time the dungeons are huge and each carry their own regional look and feel. They are just like the ones from traditional Zelda games. I think that's what people are reading when they see the quote and they are misrepresenting it. And and I don't blame people for misrepresenting it, but the interpretation is that they called the dungeons in this game traditional is a fallacy. Um, So so he, he ends off with this. Edit. To answer the question the debate is asking... If they fully committed to calling them traditional dungeons, then no, it's not accurate. But they didn't commit to that, so I don't think the quote is generally accurate. So I, I think that that's fair. I yeah, think that's pretty yeah, fair. Yeah, I think so too. I think so as well. Yeah. So I, it, it really boils down to how you take the quote and what your definition of traditional is. And I think we all mostly have the same definition. It's not, this isn't a traditional Zelda dungeon. But I, I'd like, I don't know how you do that in this open world game. Maybe it's similar mm-hmm. to a shrine and it's just a big. I mean, I guess it would be easy enough to do that, but then, like, how do you make him feel unique and different? And I don't know. Um, so I mean, no. Again, we could use another game as an example. Horizon has dungeons, and they're very, in my opinion, they're pretty linear in an open world right. game. Like, you can go anywhere in Horizon, but when you get to the dungeon, it's very like point A to point B, unlock in between. So it's possible, you know. I I mean, possible. I think that. I, I don't have a problem in, in hindsight with the developers saying that the dungeons are traditional. Knowing what we know about the dungeons now, I think that they were improvement over the Divine Beasts. No question. I think that there are lots of elements, especially thematically, that are similar to having, you know, to, to previous Zelda dungeons. But, like, the lock and key advancement, I, I think, is a little bit trickier to do in an open world game. Although... You know, I, I do I do also think it kind of stinks to have the one lock and five keys. So maybe they could, you know, keep on fine-tuning that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I guess it depends on your tradition, or definition, rather, of traditional. Right. Okay, we got another one here. Are you ready, f- are you ready for this? This is okay. from <laughs> Leslie. Is the most recent version of Hyrule a dumping ground for series lore? Now, my interpretation of this question is, like, you know, there's so many people... And I have to admit, I've never been one of them that are really, they really love the timeline. They really love where certain things fit in the, the order of progression in the Zelda series. Um, they, they love all like the backstory. Like I, I love the backstory and stories and stuff as well. But, um, you know, some people are really, really serious about this and really kind of have their Hyrule Historia, you know, as, as preferred reading material, um, <laughs> which made Breath of the Wild such an enigma because it seemed to just kind of contradict and flat out ignore and reject all of the kind of established things that we know, like, you know, Rito turn into Zora and mm-hmm. here they both are in, in, in breath of the wild. So yeah, I don't know. Like I, I feel like, and there's, there's also some really bad faith comments in this being like, Oh, Zelda has no lore, which, which is not true. It, no, like, you may not like it, <laughs> but it has lore. Comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> so, and and I think that their I think their premise. Well, I think their premise is like, well, all these games are like a self-contained story, which, which I mean is true, but it's also not true as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, come yeah. on. I I don't know. Like I I guess so. It does kind of seem like Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom kind of took like the best little bits of of all the series lore over the past kind of games, and we're just like you know what, let's not restrict ourselves to anything. We're just going to pull this and that and that. And, oh, that that would go good in this stew. We're going to mix it all together and get something really good. I don't have a problem with that, but I know some people do. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Breath of the Wild first came out, I, I am one of those people. I do like lore and I do like finding connections. And when Breath of the Wild came out, to me, it just kind of felt like 
it it didn't feel like Nintendo didn't care. It was more so they were like, do what you want with it. So in my mind, I was like, put it at the end as a combination of all three timelines because it talks about all three. So I don't know how that works out, but that's just where I, in my brain, that's where it fit. And and I'm pretty sure Nintendo kind of confirmed that later at some point. Right. I I have an issue with Tears of the Kingdoms kind of lore is because and we talked about this in the Discord and in our spoiler cast is that people don't openly discuss the connections in game. You know, there's there's uh you could have just these one-liners that say things about stuff that happened in Breath of the Wild to make you be like, "Oh yeah, this happened directly after Breath uh after Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. or a few years after or tell us how many years it's been." Without, we like, obviously we can kind of guess based on Madison and other characters who have aged. Um, but not everybody's aged. So it's just like, it's weird, you know? And I have an issue with not being, not being given some of these context clues that tell you that these two things are connected. Right. Um, so I feel like if you're going to have a direct sequel, have the lore make sense. You know, make it make sense. But if it's like a direct sequel in Majora's Mask, where you're in a different world, it kind of makes sense that things are funky. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. I I have an issue when it's, like, deliberately ignored, I kind of feel like. I don't know if that's even answering the question of the day. I, I don't know either. <laughs> but I feel like I'm not well-versed enough on the series lore. It's just, it's not my... It's like not a my interest. Lore, what does that mean? Like, we're not... like. Well, it's I, just, think it, I think it basically just means whatever. that you're, like, ignoring the the rules that you and you being Nintendo have set up in regards to like, you know, stuff, like I said, like stuff about like how, how Zora evolved from Rito, but and yet here they both are or about how Stop. maybe Zora turned into Rito. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I got it back. See, that's, that's my point. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that it like that, as an example, you, you kind of ignore those, those rules that you set up for yourself. And you're just like, okay, this works, this works, this works. Okay, great. And I'm fine with yeah. that to be honest. Like, I don't, I don't like being, tied down to any particular set of like this has to be like this or this has to be like that as well mm-hmm. um and i get that and there's sometimes where i'm like that too but i just feel like if you've established something in the past just kind of like yeah yeah i, I, don't I get know, that just kind of ignoring it makes me feel really weird i don't know well, maybe I mean, maybe it's just my brain doesn't work that way you well, know it's, it's the same it's the same thing that you know we talked about last week with the ending of the game like you've established that there's no turning back from draconification and yet you've turned mm-hmm. back. So, so that, that we're really giving us the how, <laughs> right? So like, yeah. I, I, I certainly understand why people feel a little bit cheapened or cheated by, by stuff like that, where it's like, Hey, you said this was like, you told us what the imprisoning war was in another game. And now it's different with Zonai in it. Like, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they're not the same. I, they're, in fact, I'm sure they're not. Different to me, they seem like two different imprisoning yeah. wars. Yeah. But, and so that that's kind of what I mean when I say like I I'm not I don't mind not being like completely beholden to some of these rules that have come before. But but I I certainly understand where there are some minor incongruities that might you know piss some people off. Yeah, and I would say that I've become a little bit more lenient. Um after Breath of the Wild, I think it's it's hard to say that with between Breath of the Wild and Tears because they're directly connected. Yeah. But like for the overall series, where like after Breath of the Wild came out, I was a little bit more like, okay, this is fine. It's a different era of games for the Zelda series. Like I'm okay with it not being super connected. But it, like like I said, the direct sequel is really throwing me for. <laughs> we had a lot of discussion too about like where you know some people were completely fine with the idea that like and I'm talking about just from Breath of the Wild to Tears of the Kingdom now that like yeah. that things were implied and not outwardly said or not outwardly stated. And I yeah. and I get that, but I again I, I kind of took it as like lack of attention to detail. Because it would have been nothing to just in passing say something, but no nobody ever did. It, for me, it like takes me out of the immersion of the story and the world bit. building. Because yeah. I'm over here in my own head thinking where the heck happened to all this stuff why is nobody talking about it versus oh yeah pure just told me that they created the towers out of all the repurposed you know it yeah. so to me it's like i like the story to kind of tell me and not have my own brain working outside the story did that make sense um, that made sense it does and i can see some people are gonna be like oh you just you know you gotta think for yourself a little bit like you know what stop like i th- I think that there's some stuff that you can leave up to the imagination and then mm-hmm. there's you know which is why the whole 
timeline literally became a thing in the first place because it was interesting to piece together. But there, there's also stuff that's kind of like not critical to a game story, but like it's, it should be addressed. I, I feel, and then that that's different for everybody, but like stuff that should be addressed, minor, major, whatever, um, was not, was not addressed in tears of the kingdom from breath of the wild. So it's, it's ironic when talking about the series as a whole, I don't mind that you could just dump all the lore or whatever that you want, but you know, and talking about from literally from breath of the wild to tears of the kingdom, there are, I have some nitpicks definitely, but I wouldn't lore dumping. Isn't the right word. It's just like, it's not attention to detail. Yeah. So, okay. I think we've got time for one more Al. told you we're going to be busy. Um, this is from Michaela. Does Tears of the Kingdom strike the right balance between new and returning characters? I have an answer for this. Um, I'm going to say yes to, for me personally. Okay. I mean, I'm going to say no. Okay. I feel like the only things that I really missed is like casts. And maybe if they had just mentioned the champions more. But I like the new champions because they're returning to us. Well, yeah, Taba too. Or not Taba, but... Um, Tulin. Tulin, He might as well. You. He's a new character, though. I mean, pretty much. Eh, yeah, I mean, like, he kind of popped up in Age of Calamity, if you want to count that. But um, I feel like there's some returningness there. There's some NPCs that I felt like were a little bit more... Like, had a little bit more that I connected to in Breath of the Wild that I recognized them in Tears. Um... And then you've got a couple new characters, like, uh, what's his name? The new bird? Pen. Pen, thank you, because he writes. That's cute. Um, like, Pen and um, just some other stuff. So I felt like, to me, it was fine. I had a fine time with it. I just had a couple questions here and there, like, where's Cass and why, are, why does it feel like the old champions are... Don't exist. Yeah. That much. <laughs> that's it. That's kind of the only things I had with that kind of issue. I agree. That was what you're saying, but I'm going to say no, and and I'm going to say no because I feel like while there is a lot of new characters, I feel like so many of them are like insignificant to what what is happening here. So like let let's go through our list of new characters here. I would argue Tulin is a new character. He feels important. He's probably the most like integral new character in the game i think mm-hmm. okay and, he, and he's not necessarily even like that new right because we've seen him before but let's just right for this debate we're gonna count him as a new character after that you kind of go okay well there's raru who is a pretty important figure and mm-hmm. uh, but he kind of disappears right away in the beginning of the game and you you see him in flashbacks after but i don't know but he, he he's he's there but he's largely absent in the game and you could say the same I mean, about sonia I would say for Raru, he filled his purpose, which was to substitute the old man slash King Rome yeah. in Breath of the Wild. So I was like, this fe- it felt very fulfilling to have Raru fill that place because he's there at the beginning, he's there at the end. You see him in the memories, just like Rome. But I guess my point is, is that, yes, that that's true. But then like for the most of like your 200 hour playthrough, like he's completely absent of the game, right? Like mm-hmm. a couple minutes here and there of cutscene, a couple minutes, whereas like you can do side quests in towns and you know, there's Bolson or, or there's uh I don't know. So the, the Goron elder or like the pe- people that you have already seen and know. Um, and I would say the same about uh, Mrs. Sidon. I don't remember what her name is, um, but she like, she's not in there very much. Um, the one, the one guy in Kakariko village with like the 12 pack, uh, he like, and maybe, or something. yeah, Toru. maybe this is a casualty of how I play the game, but like, he's not there very much. Like, uh-huh. so it, yeah, and granted you have Minoru, so she, she's there, but, uh, you know, so, so I guess that's two characters that are, that are new and like fairly critical to what you're doing. Um, like even Ganondorf, like he's not really, he's not really around like a whole, to, I guess to answer the question, it probably they probably did strike the right balance, but due to the nature of how I played, it felt like I was just interacting with mostly everybody that I already knew versus like new characters in Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. With the exception okay. of Minoru and Tulin, who yeah. if they hadn't been flying around you the whole time, I might even say like, eh. I mean, you also have like Josha, who was kind of integral to your exploration of the depths along with Robbie. Yeah. I want to say Pira felt a little new. She felt a little bit more involved with your adventure, and she's older. Um, so, I, I mean, she's not new-new, but she felt new, you know? Um, kind of, but I think she would have felt even more new-new if if she wasn't in Age of Calamity. 
Oh, yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, I did miss Young Robbie though. <laughs> he was yeah, he was Ro- a fun Young time. Robbie was cool. Yeah, so <laughs> so I'm not I'm not and I'm not complaining necessarily about right. like the the characters that I'm interacting. I'm just saying like it it did feel to me at a lot of times it was like all right, it's it's all my homies from Breath of the Wild. That, like let's go fight Ganondorf eventually. Yeah. I, I get it. And I I want to bring this up, too, because this was part of the debate last week as well with, like, characters, NPCs not remembering you. And, like, I do feel like the major players did remember you. Um, My issue was more so when I was helping somebody with a side quest, and I'm like, I helped you with a side quest in Breath of the Wild. How do you not really know me? Like, Bolson was a big one. Right. I mean, I feel like he vaguely knew you, but not, like, in the way that you built a house together knew you. Um, the flower lady, I feel like she didn't really remember you. The dude and his tiny Zora girlfriend, you helped them in Breath of the Wild, but I feel like they don't remember you in tears. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I mean about in that regard. So there, I did have a, a, maybe a tiny issue with the, some of those returning characters being like, oh, here's an adventurer, come to help me, instead of like, oh my god, Link, I remember when you helped me five years ago. Right. <laughs> you know? I should have only- included Pen in there, too, because Pen is... But, but like, I, I agree. Like, it is, it is weird. And you know what? Speaking of those characters from Breath of the Wild, like, it's it's not just the new characters that feel a little undercooked. I feel like, it, like, the question is, did it strike the right balance? And I feel like there are some characters from Breath of the Wild that kind of get a little bit shortchanged. Like, Impa, for example. Like, I thought after Age of Calamity, maybe Impa would be kind of a big player and be in that Pura role. And maybe she got, like, the, the age down thing. But, like, you, she's not really... She's not really a big player at all in this game. I kind of get it. Cass, I mean. When you you consider what Tears is to Breath of the Wild, you know, it's evolution and growth. And you have a lot of the old chiefs that are out. They're not, like, out of the picture, but they're not really around anymore. It's the new players. So, to me, it's like Paya is the new Impa, you know? Uh, and though we have a quest line with him, but you, you pretty much just talk to her for like two geoglyphs and then you go in the lost temple and, right. um, or the forgotten temple and talk to her a bit. So like, I, j- I kind of understand that standpoint where some of the characters are being a little bit like pushed to the side because there's a new era of leadership, you know? Mm-hmm. So like the chief from Rito is gone because Taba took over stuff like that. So I, that's the, that's the vibe I got with Impa not being as involved. Which is fair, and and that's fine. It just, uh, I guess, same with Pen and Cass. Yeah. Cass is like the master now, and Pen is the new apprentice. So it, it seemed to me like my initial gut reaction to the question was like, no, I don't think that they did strike a right balance. They like it wasn't it wasn't terrible at all. Like there's there was a lot of new characters, and there was a lot of returning characters that were all important. I just maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like maybe it's my my thoughts on the story at large where like I'm just mm-hmm. a little unsatisfied with it. And maybe that's bleeding over into this, but I guess nevertheless, um, yeah, I think that they, I think that they could have done it just a, a wee bit better. And I was, I was hoping for DLC to, to be able to flesh out, uh, you know, some of these characters and story again, like I said, but mm-hmm. I don't think so anymore. Well, I'll tell you what. If if my correction or if my prediction about uh, next Zelda twenty twenty six is right, they better not be working on DLC. They better be working on that game like right now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. Okay, well, that's uh, that's all she wrote. That's all of our daily debates that we had time to get to today. We might even bring this back in. Uh, I don't know, maybe in in a week or two, um, because it's you know, there's a lot of really really engaging content for us to go back and uh, and read through and i'm thinking too that we should let our listeners get in on some of this action too because it's been a while since we've had a fan q a in fact the last one we had was back in july at the zelda dungeon mm-hmm. marathon so lots of lots of time is sunk in lots of thoughts i'm sure have been processed so maybe we'll uh we'll look forward to doing that in the month of september as well and hopefully 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 we're gonna have a, a show where we're reacting to a nintendo direct that would be that would be great that would be great so yeah content right there (laughs) um okay well i guess that's gonna uh wrap it up for us for this week so uh i want to remind everybody by the way if uh if you're like us and you just can't get enough zelda and you want even more zelda by god you head over to patreon.com forward slash spnet you go subscribe to the legend tier you're gonna get yourself a bonus episode of the zelda cast every month uh adriel and i just recorded uh a new episode of the zelda cast top tens we did we did you know i've I've kind of been breaking these shows down to do like a fun list a silly list and like a 
uh, legit, like, kind of a serious list. So we did yeah. the top ten Zelda pets, which was fun. And Aww. can you guess what my number one pet was, by the way? Mm, no. I have, uh, I'm uh, guessing maybe, maybe is it the little, the puppy from Tingle? I was about to say, I'm really disappointed in you. But I can oh, neither okay, confirm nor deny that you know me really well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, so we also did the top ten bosses that do not appear in a dungeon, which was really fun as well. So, uh, if you are, if you're itching for some more Zelda cast, go check that out. And, uh, Hey, if you're a patron too, there's always a chance you could come on the show and, and talk about your own top 10 list if you want. So uh, that would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, you can check that out over on Patreon. Of course, you could check us out over on Twitter. Uh, we are at the ZeldaCast. I am at Spateri316. Al is at Allison Aletha. And wherever you get your podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a sweet five-star review. We would love to see that. And um, I think that's it. I think that's all. Until next week, everybody, take care.